Welcome to the Kingdom Revival Culture Podcast, keeping you in touch with Faith Mountain Fellowship Church in Red River, New Mexico. You know, the love that Jesus Christ calls his body to is an amazing, everlasting, unconditional love. And this podcast is just one of the ways that you and I can build each other up in that love. So to start, just enjoy this message, and then please contact us with prayer requests, feedback, or anything else you'd like to discuss at fmfcpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from everyone interested in helping create a kingdom revival culture. <laughs> good morning, everybody. <laughs> good morning, good morning. Oh, I felt like laughing this morning just because knowing how it is, impossible it is for me to do this, but just knowing how big God is, and I love it. <laughs> I love it, and it makes me want to laugh at the devil, of course, because he's the one that tries to stop and make it nervous and make body reactions and happen and things like that, but, um, but God is good. God is so good. So let's, uh, let's start by praying. Father, we just come before you, Father, and oh, we just thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy, God. We thank you for your holiness and your justice, Lord. We thank you for who you are and that you decided to share yourself with us, Father. That you created us, Father God, to have intimacy with you, Lord, to fellowship with the creator of the universe, with the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And Father, we just, it just, it leaves us in awe, God. It leaves us in awe at how good you are, Father. Even in the midst of the situations that we may be going through, God, we know you are good and faithful and holy. Now, Father, come, Lord. We know you're here already, but I'm just saying, come more, Father. All you want to do, all you have, Father, bring it. Bring it, Lord. Bring it, Father. Get me out of the way, Father God. Get my words or my thoughts or my ideas or my ideologies out of the way, Father God, and just speak your words through me, God. And give us all ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive all that you have for us, Lord. And may your anointing, may your Holy Spirit, Father, break every yoke, Father God, every chain, every bondage, everything, God, that's not of you, Lord. Just break it off and fill us with you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' name. Well, this morning, tons of people have been coming up to me and giving me words, and at one point, I, I mean, I... It's hard to even receive them because I'm just <laughs> so nervous or something going on inside, so it's kind of hard to even really think about them. But, man, if you knew how hard this word, to get this word was. I mean, Jade texted me the other day, what's the word going to be on? And I don't know. <laughs> Yesterday, Pastor Ed texted the same thing, wanted to call and pray for me, and what's the word? I don't know. <laughs> and I'm serious, it was... I, I, all night. I'm just, and it's not because I didn't have time. It's not because I wasn't seeking God all week. I mean, it, I've been seeking Him. I've been looking. I've been asking, and I've been preparing. And thank. Uh, I mean, and I really do. I, I thank you, Jay and Pastor Ed, and and um, Joy back there because they texted me and said they were praying for me. And I know others were probably praying too, but those are the texts I got. And Joy even said, uh, "I'm praying for you. Just skip the nervousness." <laughs> and let me tell you, I have felt the prayers even in the midst of. I mean, this. You know, you might hear me shaking a little bit or see me wobbling or whatever, but that's just normal body <laughs> reactions to being up in front of people. But the inside, I've had so much peace. Even not having the word until this morning, <laughs> I have had so much peace. And I know it's the prayers and I know it's the grace of God, but I, I, it's been a struggle. 
I didn't sleep much for the past two weeks, and it had nothing to do with this. I, wasn't, I really wasn't nervous about it. It was just other, whatever things were going on. And then yesterday, I spent the whole day with a headache, and even last night as I was sleeping, just constant headache. And just the devil, I know, just trying to come and steal and trying to keep me from really being able to hear. And then last night, you know, I'm still praying and praying and seeking God and asking him, what is it you want me to speak on? Please, God, <laughs> come on, hurry. I need this so I can sleep. And, and he, um, he gave me this... He kind of gave me this word, but I just I wasn't sure that it was the right word. And so I just, okay, I wrote out that sermon, and, and then I still just didn't have t- total peace that it was for today. And I don't know, maybe some of it will be used, I don't know. But I went to sleep, and I slept. Again, thank you, Joy. I mean, you, I skipped the nervousness. <laughs> and he just, he gave me sleep. And I woke up throughout the night many times, but I, I went to sleep, and I, asked, I said, God, just, I actually prayed that. I said, God, if you want to wake me up, actually, please wake me up and just give me this word because I need to, I need to have something. There's one thing I don't want is to not be prepared. But uh, so he did. He woke me up the first time, I think, around 1250, somewhere around there. And I heard these words in my spirit. He said, for the Lord our God will surely save. And then I went, I, you know, I kind of was struggling, like, am I supposed to actually get up and write this now? Or am I just supposed to, you know, go back to sleep and get rest? And I decided to go back to sleep and get rest. <laughs> and, but meanwhile, I, I just kind of prayed about it just inside, just kept praying about it. And then he, I went back to sleep, which, again, is a miracle in itself. I mean, if you guys knew how little sleep I usually get whenever I'm having to pre- the night before having to preach, you would know that it was a miracle that I slept last night, especially not having the word. <laughs> but um, anyway, so I just, I, again, he would wake me up and I would hear it again. For the Lord our God will surely save. And I'd go back to sleep. And he'd wake me up again. For the Lord our God will surely save. And I'd go back to sleep. Finally at 6 o'clock this morning when the sun, you know, woke me up with the light. I just, I finally wrote it down and the word came. And uh, leave it to God to do that to me. To <laughs> the morning of, give me the word. But of course I'm so grateful. And I just believe that it's because God wants to do something inside of each of us this morning. I know that, um, and so many things that Jay was saying this morning, worship with Pastor Ed was saying, Pastor Wayne were saying, so many things were just confirming. And um, I know that so many of us have been going through some really difficult seasons, seasons of not knowing, seasons of asking, where are you, God? Seasons of sickness and, and weakness, seasons of worry and confusion, seasons of of trusting and waiting and trusting and waiting and trusting and waiting but not seeing, not feeling the, the answers coming, seasons of losing loved ones. I mean, God even gave me that earlier today, and I didn't even know that these three people had passed away. I, I knew of one, actually, that Mr. Kenny. But um, all of us are going through different things, seasons of not knowing how, how things are going to be taken care of, how, how are we going to make it through this, how are the ends going to meet, And God is just saying, I believe he has me here partly today to tell you, first of all, that he's not done with us yet. First of all, that he's not done with you. He's not done with your family. He's not done with what you're believing for, for your family. He's not done with your marriage. He's not done with the church here and everywhere. He's not done with this nation. And no matter what we're seeing right now or what we're hearing, we need to stand and believe that God is not done yet. For the Lord our God will surely save. 
the Lord our God will surely save. And if you know that word save, it means deliver, it means heal, it means prosper, it means protect, it means rescue, it means redeem. And he's done that inside of us already, but he wants to do that in every single area of our lives, and not just our lives, but the lives around us, in our marriages, in our churches. But we have to stand, Pastor Ed said, and this is what God said, this is a season of pressing in right now, not stepping back, not holding back because we're under the worry, because we're under the stress or the anxiety of it all, but it's a season to press in like we've never pressed before, to press into God and to go after His promises and to go after His truth and to go after His Word like we've never done before. In James 4.8, you don't have to turn there right now, but we will come back to it in a moment, but it says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. That is the promise of God. Draw near to Him. Press into that promise. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. And Jeremiah 33.3, it says, Call unto me, and I will show you, I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things. Another promise of God. Call out to Him. He will answer us and show us great and mighty things. It is not a time to give up. It's a time to press in. Let's turn to Hebrews 10 real quickly. And if you don't want to turn there, it's fine, because, of course, I get to cheat, and I already have them set aside, so I get to go there quickly. But in Hebrews 10, starting with verse 35, he says, So do not throw away your confidence or your faith, your trust. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. For in just a very little while, He who is coming will come and will not delay. And I believe he's not just talking about when Jesus comes back to, to pick up the church. I believe he talks about on a, in a yearly, in a daily, in a monthly basis. He is coming. He will come and he will not delay. He knows the right time. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. What is he telling us here? He's saying, don't give up, press in. Don't give up, press in, hold on to the word, for the Lord our God will surely save. I keep saying that over and over because he, keeps saying, he kept saying it to me over and over last night as he'd wake me up. And so I know there's a real key in that, that all of us need to hear. The Lord our God will surely save. And we go on into chapter, one verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, and it says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. The New Living Translation says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen, and it gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Faith, there's, uh, if you look it up, faith can also, it also would say that it's the title deed, kind of like having the title to your car, the title to your house. It's the title deed of the things that we hope for. The things, and the word hope, again, we know, means confidently expect. And now where can our faith be placed? Where can our hope be placed? On the Word of God on his promises. If we know it's a promise of God, if we know it's his will, then we have the right to exert our faith and to believe him for that to come to pass. And again, as the New Living Translation said, gives us assurance about the things we cannot see, the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. But we have to press in, not give up, and stand in faith, continue trusting him. And in verse 6 of chapter 11, we've all heard this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those, uh, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. In other words, we have to believe 
who God is, who he says he is, and we find out through the word of God who he is. And then we have to believe, we have to continue, earnestly seek him, and he rewards those who do so. He rewards those. <laughs> just had, saw here in a bookmark that I actually just grabbed just to use to hold my place. And it was by the St. Therese, or Teresa, whatever that would be in English, but <laughs> we can never have too much confidence in the good God. He is so mighty and so merciful. As we hope in him, so shall we receive. <laughs> that wasn't planned. <laughs> but if you see, we just have to maintain our confidence and persevere. So here's uh, the second part of what, what God began to do in my heart. And this is really what he was doing all week long, and I know has been doing for this last year, or probably all my life. But um, what do we do while we wait upon him? We, we usually see, you know, the end, or we want to see the end, but we miss out on the process, on the point of getting to what we're waiting for, of what we're trusting God for. And so we need to ask, uh, what do we do? There's so many scriptures. Some say that we do good. You know, we just continue to do good, do good to people. We stand. Once we've done all, we stand. We stand in faith. We worship. We worship God. We be still before him. There's so many answers in the Bible to this question. But the thing that God was, was, has been doing in my heart, and I believe is challenging us today, is he's saying to take advantage of this time, of this process, however hard it is, however difficult, however much we cannot see or feel it, that we take time, we take advantage of this process to make room for him. To make and prepare a room, room for him in our lives. You know when we receive Jesus, when we're born again and receive his spirit, our spirit becomes his, and his spirit fills us. It belongs to him. It's complete in him. It's perfect in him. It's done. That is a finished work. But we're still walking it out here on earth. And the more that we surrender our bodies, the more that we surrender our minds, the more that we surrender our finances, the more that we surrender our relationships, the more that we surrender every area in our lives, the more he can fill us, not only in our spirit, but he begins to fill our minds. He renews our minds with the word of God. He begins to fill our bodies so that our bodies begin to be healed. You read in the Old Testament when, the, when Israel was following God with all their heart, when they were doing things correctly, it says there was not one sick in the whole, the whole country, in the whole nation. It says they were without, they were, they were not lacking in anything. They each had their own garden. They each had their own supply. All of them were blessed. And it says when he crossed them through the, uh, through the desert, their shoes didn't even wear out. Why? Because the presence of God was with them. And that's what God is wanting to say, that not only that we allow that presence of God inside of us to come forth and take over in every aspect and every part of our lives. It's not going to take away all the troubles and the problems. We've got to establish that. We're not saying you follow God and everything's rosy and peachy. No, you follow God and sometimes it gets harder and harder and harder. But when you stick it out, when you stay with him, when you trust and persevere, he will take you to the other end. He will take you to the other side. So many people uh, bring that back to Job. Oh, but he suffered. Job suffered. He did. You're right, he did. But what does it say on the other end when he stuck it out? It said he had twice as much as he had before. He had double portion because God blessed him for his faithfulness in persevering, in sticking, sticking it out, in believing who God was and believing that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And if anybody had reason to no longer seek God or to curse God, 
I think Job had that reason. <laughs> I mean, obviously, there is no reason to do that. But naturally speaking, he had the reason more than a lot of us. So let's turn back to James 4. Here's the part that's going to get a little, <laughs> little more challenging. God has been challenging me this week and just, just cleansing me, taking things out, purifying. And here he says in chapter 4, verse 5, Or do you think scriptures say without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And here's the scripture we read, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Now, is God saying there, like, is he just attacking us? You sinners, <laughs> sinners in the hands of an angry God. We've heard that awesome, which really was a powerful and awesome sermon in the history of, of this nation. But he's saying here, not, he's not attacking us. He's saying, right, if you look at that, it's sandwiched right in between those admonitions. He, he's saying, draw near to me. But right before that, he says, submit to me. And right after that, he says, wash your hands, purify yourself, cleanse yourself, and uh, let go, humble yourselves before me. So right before that promise of drawing near to God, what he's essentially saying is, make room for me. Because when we have that sin, when we have those areas in our lives, when we have those things that entangle us and bind us and, and what we're addicted to, that's stealing that room from God in our lives, in our hearts. It also can steal our witness. It can steal the amount of light that will shine through us, God's light that will shine through us. So what God began to tell me is, in the process of waiting and trusting, quit asking me to get you out of this and start asking to get this out of you. Quit asking God to get me out of this situation and begin to ask God, get this out of me. Because in the process, I know you will surely save. I know that's your promise. I know that you're faithful to that. I know that you're going to carry it out. But in the process, get out of me whatever should not be there, whatever is hindering you, whatever is holding back the light and glory of God so that the rest of the world can see and so that our church can be whole. We're talking about unity with all the churches. We have to be whole so that when we do unify, we will not get offended any longer, that we won't hold on to those things that have separated the church of God and the body of Christ, but that we will We'll hold on to God and we will hold on to the heart and the spirit that he's given us and we will not be moved by the things that normally would move us. We will not be offended any longer. We will not be uh, bound any longer by the addictions, by the struggles, by the hardships and the weaknesses. We will surrender them all to God. This is not about legalism. This is not about, uh, about you know, bringing guilt and shame or putting anything on top of us. This is about saying that God, the creator of the universe, desires to have relationship with us. That's the purpose that he created humans, so that he could have intimacy and fellowship with us, so he could share himself with us. And when we keep all these other things in the world, all this junk, all this bondage, we, we can't hear him. We can't fully receive from him. We might get bits and pieces here, but God wants to give us everything that he has. God wants to move in and through us in every way possible, that that, that connection with him would just be clean and clear and just flowing in power, in truth, in love, in life, 
in the light of God. So he's saying, cleanse your hands. Wash, your, wash yourself. Just get rid of all of these things in your life that are hindering him, that are stealing from us. Prepare a room, more room for him. Empty our hearts. Back in verse 5 of that same chapter, we read it. It says, the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely. God is jealous over us. He created us, like I said, with the purpose to have intimacy and fellowship with him. The Bible says eternal life is to know God. And that doesn't start when we get to heaven. That starts now. That starts when we receive Jesus in our hearts. Eternal life comes into us and we begin to know God. And the more we surrender, the more we grow closer, the deeper we go with him in our walk, in our relationship with him. He is jealous over us, over our affection, over our time, over our attention, over our money, over everything. He is jealous over us that he could have all of us, that he could have all of our hearts. The first two commandments, I'll I'll just turn there real quickly. You don't have to turn there, but in Exodus 20, verse 3, the first two commandments, you shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth, beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Out of these ten commandments, he spends the first two to basically say the same thing, that he wants all of us. He is jealous for all of us, not just a part of us, not just our heart, not just our eternity when we get to heaven, but he wants all of us. And he says, do not have any idols before me. And this is the part, it's hard to hear because we don't even think of idols that way in our culture. We think of idols like in in Eastern cultures where they literally have the statues and the idols in their homes that they bow down to. And we don't really, most of us deal with that or have that. But an idol is anything or anyone that takes first place in your life, that you're giving your affection, your time, your attention, your everything to. And we may not even realize it. All of us, uh, those of us who are born again and have lived with God a lot, we don't realize we might still have some idols in there. And we don't see them as that, but we don't realize that they are stealing from us. They are taking from our affection from God, from Him uh, being able to receive our whole heart, not just a part of it, but our whole heart. And He says to not have any idols, to not worship any idols. Do you realize that worship basically means what you give your time, your affection, your attention to. It doesn't mean just bowing down before a statue or an idol. It means when you're giving what you're giving yourself to. And for one, if it's sin, obviously we know it's not God's will. But sometimes there are things that are good that God gives us, that he, he blessed us. He said it's good for a man to find a, a wife. He said it's good, I, I want you, you have to work. <laughs> he said, you know, there's a lot of good things that we have in our, in our lives that even God gives us. Some are bad, like sin or... or um, certain pleasures or, you know, pride or things, tradition, things of that nature. Some of them aren't of God, some of them are. But when you begin to turn that into something, even the good things, something that takes the place of God, it becomes an idol. And it goes, it's transformed from being something of blessing to being something that brings curse into your lives, that brings destruction. Everything that has to do with the enemy, with the devil, whether it be idols, whether it be his works, everything he does the Bible says, comes to steal, 
kill, and destroy us. But Jesus came to give us life, and life in abundance. So we've got to rid ourselves of these idols, or in some cases, I mean, you're not going to rid yourself of your wife or your spouse, but you reprioritize. You reprioritize. You put things in order. You say, God, you're first. Whatever you say, I'm going to do. No matter what anybody else is saying, if you said it, I'm going to do that first. I'm going to give you my time first. I'm going to place my finances before you first. I'm going to place my going to work before you for, uh, before. How would I say that? <laughs> I'm going to place you before my job. Some of us become so consumed with the job, sometimes because we love it or sometimes just because we so desperately need the money. But we have to put God first. And you know what? He will cause all of that to fall into place because he's told us to do that. We don't rid ourselves of all these things. Some of them we just have to reprioritize in our lives and in our hearts. But God... <laughs> This is an aspect, a part that, that the church kind of runs from. I've run from it. I'm, I'm not attacking or judging anybody, but we hear the word holiness, or we hear the word holy, and we immediately cringe <laughs> because inside we start to feel all the guilt, all the shame, all the areas that we've missed it, but we don't realize that the holiness, holy is who God is. Holy is what he's about. He is set apart. There is none like him. There is no other God. No one compares to him in any way. He is completely set apart and different from anything and anyone. And you know what? If we've received him in our hearts and our lives, then we should desire the same thing because we have been set apart. The Bible says that we are called saints. We think of saints only as those who have lived perfectly and pure or done these great works. But the Bible says that all the believers, the true believers, are saints. What does the word saint mean? Holy ones, set apart ones. We are set apart unto God. And it says in the word that he places his desires, his law, the fear of him inside of our hearts. And so instead of cringing from holiness, we should jump into it fully because we're saying, God, I love all of you. And I also trust you. I know that if you're saying something, that even though it's hard to not want to do this, even though I know that this is wrong and I want to do it so badly, but I trust you that you're saying, stay away from that. I trust you that, that this idol will destroy me, will destroy my family, will destroy the church. How many of you realize that what we do in our lives doesn't just affect us, it affects the church at large. It affects the kingdom of God. It affects all of us. And so when we all become whole and when we all drop and break and get rid of those idols in our lives, imagine the power and the unity that the church will flow in at large. Imagine the things that we can see and that we'll see God do because we have emptied ourselves and made room for him. Every single idol just falling down and falling in love with holiness, not legalism, not legalism, not the law, other than the law that God places in our hearts. Which one, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, might, and strength. To love your neighbor as yourself. These are the promises of God. And in doing that, we will fulfill the law and the prophets. But we have to surrender. What did he say? Submit unto God. Cleanse and purify yourselves. Let those things go. Surrender them at the cross. Surrender them and just receive the, the, the forgiveness that God's already given us. Receive the cleansing of the blood of the lamb that was sacrificed for our sin. Just receive it and let it get all of that out of you and just keep going and going and going. Not from a place of fear, but from a place of absolute love and hunger for the King of kings and the Lord of lords that desires fellowship with you. 
and also out of love for the people that need to see Jesus. Because when we empty ourselves of the junk, he comes in and fills us. His light shines like it's never shown before. And his, his glory begins to radiate out of us. And people see Jesus. And the Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to know him, that all would come to surrender to him, that all would come to be saved and receive his life. But how will they know, how will they see if we don't have that? If we're not displaying that, we might have it, but we aren't showing it all the time. But when we let go of these idols, when we let go of these things that steal our time, our affection, our love for God and for one another, then God can come in and fill us up. So back to the initial word, the Lord our God will surely save. This is the promise of God. He will surely save. But in the midst of going after that with all our faith and all our hope, let God do the work inside of your heart. Let God use and take advantage of this time to just open you and cleanse you and take out everything, everything, everything that's not of Him and fill you up with more of His Spirit and more of His presence and more of His love. The Bible says one God is a holy God, and it also says he's coming back for a holy bride, a bride that is set apart, a bride that loves him with all their hearts, a bride that is passionate about him and passionate about people. So I pray right now, and you can close your eyes if you want. It starts here, but don't think that it's just right now. It's in the days to come. The Word of God, it says that if we go, uh, go to a mirror and we look at ourselves and then we walk away and forget what we looked like, it says we're deceived. And a lot of times we receive the Word of God, we hear it, but we don't apply it, we don't do anything with it, and we just go on deceived, thinking, oh, I heard the Word, I got the Word, everything's great. But if it doesn't make a difference in your life, if it doesn't change you, then it's done nothing. There's no purpose for it, it's just empty and void. So it's not just right now. It is right now. It starts right now. But it's in the days to come. Begin to ask God. Begin to ask yourself and ask God. Ask yourself, are there any idols in my life? Are there any areas that I've been allowing the devil to come in and steal from me? Whether it be sin or addiction or bondage. Whether it be bitterness or unforgiveness towards someone. Whether it be worry and fear whether it be something good like your spouse or your job or your family that maybe you've just put too much emphasis on and you've forgotten God who gave you that spouse and that family and that job and uses it to bless you. But if you allow, it to not be, to allow that to be first in your life, then it ends up being a curse. So let's close our eyes and let's ask God, let's ask ourselves first, if there's something you might already know, like I said, God's been spending this week with me just, ah, uh, one thing after another, ah, uh, and it just kind of hurts, but it feels good at the same time because when you let go of something that you know isn't good, it feels really good, but it hurts. Kind of like getting surgery. Yeah, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't, you don't like it, but when it takes care of that problem that's been bugging you forever and ever and you come out feeling great, it feels good, right? So in the same way, God wants to do that in our hearts. He wants to just open us up and begin to cut out those areas 
that have been stealing from us, that have been hurting us, and most importantly, that have been keeping us from his fullness and full desire for our lives. So open your hearts right now. And then ask God to ask him, Lord, show me those areas that I don't even see. Show me those areas that I've grown accustomed to. Show me those areas that I don't even recognize or realize that may be taking your place in my life, that may be stealing from me when I'm thinking they're, they're bringing good to me. And let him just speak to you and show you right now. And begin to ask God. Because it's by his grace that we get out or escape any of these things. It's not out of our works. It's not by our strength. It's not by our power. It's by his spirit that we escape anything, that we get out of anything. It's by his spirit that we're saved by, through the work of Jesus Christ. And it's by his spirit that we continue to be saved in, our, in every action in our lives, in every day-to-day -day aspect of our lives. We just receive his grace. His grace is not just his mercy and favor, but it is his power and ability to carry out his will. So begin to just think of those areas and begin to just let them go and surrender them to God and say, God, I don't want this in my life anymore. God, I recognize that this has been stealing from me. It's been keeping you from me or keeping us from really being fully intimate. And I don't want it anymore, God. I want to let it go. Help me, God. Give me your grace and your power to overcome this. To, for it to be removed forever from my life. And as we go on, throughout our week, throughout the month, throughout this year, throughout the rest of our lives, each day, each moment, just ask God again, Lord, is there an area? And if he shows it to you, do the same thing. Just repent, turn from it, and turn to God and receive his grace to get it out of you and to get you out of it. And enjoy the process, and I know it's hard to do, but enjoy the process while you're waiting for the salvation of God in your life in each of those areas that you're believing God for. Let it draw you closer and deeper with God. And the faster I think we allow that to happen, a lot of times it's the faster we receive our, our answer because God's just using that to get all those things out of our lives so that we will grow closer to Him. So Father God, right now, Lord, I thank You I thank you for your word, Father, and I thank you for your spirit, God. And that, Lord, nothing can be done except by you, God. You make the difference in our lives. Convince us of righteousness. Convince us of sin. Convince us of those areas, God, that, that hinder and steal from us, Lord. Convince us, Father, of your goodness and your love and desire for intimacy with us, Lord. Every one of us. Every one of us, it doesn't matter where you've been, it doesn't matter what you've done, every one of us is invited to come and have fellowship and intimacy with the Most High God. Every one of us. I don't care what happened before church. I don't care what happened last night. I don't care what happened last week. Every one of us is invited to come to God. But we surrender. We submit to him and flee from evil and receive his grace. And we draw near to him and he draws near to us. 
So don't let anything hinder you. Don't let anything keep you back right now or in the days to come. Don't let guilt or shame or fear or legalism or what somebody said or what somebody's doing to you, don't let anything keep you from coming before God and knowing that He loves you. God loves you. I'm not saying this out of my own ability or my own word. I'm saying this because God's saying this. He loves you. What does He have to do to prove that to us? He created us, and then he came and sent his son to die for us, to get us back because the devil stole us from him. We let him steal us from him. God loves you, and God desires all of you that you would have no other God before him, that you would bow or worship to no other idols, to nothing else but to God alone. And I promise you, in doing this, you will love your spouse like you've never loved them before. In doing this, you will love your children and your family like you've never done before. It will bless your family and your marriage. It will bless the church. Letting these things, or reprioritizing these things so much of the time we think, well, how can I not put my wife first or my husband or my children or whatever first? But when you do it, when you obey God, when you follow Him, He causes everything to be blessed. It's kind of like us giving our tithe that tithe, that 10% of our income blesses the rest of the income. And that's what God does. When we surrender those things and when we reprioritize in our lives and put him first, he blesses and breathes his life all over everything else. And I believe that we begin to see the fullness of God in our bodies, in our minds, in our relationships, in our finances in our day-to-day walking out everything God's called us to. So, Father, again, (laughs) thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You alone can do this work in our hearts, Father. So do it, God. If you agree, if you you receive the word, just say in your heart to God, just say, do it, God. I love you. And I want you more than ever before. And I want everything that hinders me from intimacy with you. I want it gone. I want it reprioritized. I want you to be first in my life and in my heart. I know it's not always going to be easy. But if you're in it, if you're with me, I have everything that pertains to life and godliness. So come, God, come, fill us up, fill us up, Lord. As we're emptying ourselves, fill us up, Father. As we're removing that junk in those areas, Father, fill us up, God. Fill us up with your spirit and fill us up with your presence and fill us up with holy hunger and desire and righteousness, Father God, and everything that you have for us and desire for us. Fill us up now, God. Take us deeper, Father. Take us deeper, Lord. I don't want the shallow waters. I don't want the shallow relationship anymore. I want everything you have for us, God, and I want it for all of us, for all your church. So, Father, fill us up. Fill us up. Fill us up. Fill us up today. Fill us up right now. And fill us up as we go. And fill us up in this week to come. And fill us up, Father, in the months and years to come. Fill us up. Fill our lives. Fill our marriages. Fill our relationships and our families and our homes and our workplaces and your church and your kingdom. Fill us up, God, like never before, Lord. Fill us up with you. And have your way. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name.